You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I'm going to minister to you tonight on what I call hidden treasure. Say hidden treasure. Now, what's unique about it is, in fact, you can write this down for reference. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus did a parable and said the kingdom of heaven was like a treasure that was found in a field. And the person went out and sold everything he had to buy that treasure. Now, what's interesting is, in the ancient world, because they didn't have security cameras, they didn't have safes, what they would always do when they had wealth of some type is they would bury it on a piece of property because there was no way that they could secure it unless they were in the military and had guards or whatever. And so they would hide wealth out in their fields in different places to protect it from thieves and so forth. Tonight I want to talk about treasure that's inside of us that you can't see, but through faith you can bring that treasure out. And it's so important because every one of you here tonight have, if you've accepted Christ, there are riches and treasure inside of you that can be brought out by faith, and you can run the, you can run the devil scared. Amen? You can put him in a panic where he's running from you every stinking day. That's what God's called us to. Amen? So I want you to turn, if you would, over to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. And as we look at this particular verse, I want you to get excited about it because it reveals a very substantial truth about Christianity and what happens when you are begotten of God. Amen? He says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God, say born of God, now, make a note, it didn't say whoever, it said whatever, but it is referring to the whosoever's, amen? But it's talking about whatever has been begotten inside of you is what he's saying. Overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, what is so good about this verse is that he talks about an overcoming that occurs not in progress or as you follow Jesus Christ, but one that occurs the day or the hour that you gave your life to Christ and you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you never ever get your faith to meet a need, if you never get your faith to heal you, if you never get your faith to do the miraculous in your life of any significant way, if you never do that after you're saved, you are still an overcomer because you overcame spiritually. And spiritually, you were raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's something that can't be changed. That's something that can't be altered. That's something that can't be moved. That spiritual resurrection you experienced is sealed by the blood of Jesus and since Jesus can never be tempted again, you can never lose that spiritual posture or position in Christ the moment you get saved. Now, the reason why it says it this way is because whenever you use faith, it's always working out your salvation. It's never working it in, it's working it out. You're working out this overcoming in your life. You're working out this victory that Christ put in your heart. Now, let me just say this at this point, something that a lot of people miss. In the Bible, it talks about persecution that will come upon every one of the children of God. 
Amen. If you're a child of God, you're going to be persecuted in some form in your life. But basically in the church, persecution is just woe is the Christian. They're being unjustly treated and so forth and so forth. But true persecution is always the result of supernatural success in your life. It's always the result of God doing something supernatural, causing you to prosper when you don't have the wisdom or the knowledge to do it, and God just puts his favor on you. It has to do with that, or it has to do with you prayed for the sick and they were healed, and then people that can't get those kind of results get angry at you because when you use the name of Jesus, people's lives are changed. It always has supernatural success. Every time. In fact, if you remember the story of Daniel, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because God had supernaturally promoted him above his fellows. When the three young men that were thrown in the fiery furnace, they were thrown in the fiery furnace because their predecessors, or the ones before them, were jealous of them because God was supernaturally exalting them. And so I'm saying... Come on, persecution, because that means that God is supernaturally doing something in your life that is bringing forth some form of success. And so when you think about persecution, don't think, woe is me. Think, whoa, they're upset because they're jealous. They didn't persecute Jesus because he wasn't getting results. They persecuted Jesus because people were following them rather than following them. They persecuted Jesus because when he delivered them, they got delivered. When they tried to deliver, all they did is get the same. That's why they persecuted him. And so this verse says that when you give your life to Christ, you are supernaturally, in a moment, translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're positioned in Christ, and spiritually, everything's far under your feet. There is such a level of spiritual authority that most Christians can't grasp it. There is so much authority that is in Christ, we miss it so many times. But John wanted you to know this because he wants you to go out and make a difference in the world that you live in. And you're not going to do that if you're waiting for the Lord to do everything for you when the Lord already did something for you when he raised you up. Amen? Now, always remember this. Spiritually... We are already winners if Christ is in your life. There's nothing that can defeat you. There's nothing that can overcome you spiritually. You never have to worry about being cast out of spiritual light into spiritual darkness. There's no level of authority on this earth that is greater than the authority you have in Christ. You are always victorious. It don't matter if they put you in oil and boil you in oil. You'll be like the apostle John. It won't touch you. Come on, come on, church. There's power in this. That's what's in the church. It needs to be preached more rather than all this defeatism. Now, I want you to look at a verse with me in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to show you that God doesn't lose at anything. He doesn't lose at anything. When he calls somebody by the Spirit, he never loses one person that he draws by the Spirit that respond to him. He doesn't lose anybody. Look at this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, make a note of that, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let me show you the context of this. He's talking about the difference between a good tree and a bad tree. A good tree produces bad fruit. A good, tr- or a, a, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. And he's talking about false prophets that put on sheep's cloning, even though inwardly they are raving wolves. He's talking about people who are not born again. And he says here, this is what happens in the final judgment. This is a judgment of all the ages of people that died without Jesus. And he says that he's going to say to them, depart from me, work of iniquity, for I never knew you. Say never. That means never time in, no time in their life they ever knew God. No time in their life had they ever been born again. No time in their life they had ever had an experience with God. No time at all in their life. In other words, Jesus is saying that anyone that's names is not written in the Lamb's book of life, come on. There's no failures. There's no one blotted out. There's no one that loses it. There's no one that they let go. Anyone that's born of God is an overcomer and will be there with Jesus at the end of the age. The question is, are we going to be overcomers in this life with that overcoming power within inside of us? Now, you might say, what does it mean, never knew you? Let me kind of break it down and I'll make it simple for you. Let's say that you uh, are married and... Your wife gets an invitation to go to a a class reunion. And you go, why do you want to go to the class reunion? That's where all your old boyfriends are. And then you make a statement like this. You say, "Uh, is so-and-so going to be there? And did you have sex with that boy? Of course, she'll deny it, I'm sure. But, But if she told you the truth and said, yeah, I'm sorry, I did. I did have sex with him. Then that boyfriend of the past intimately knows her like her husband knows her what jesus is saying i've never had an intimate relationship with you god knows everybody god knows what's in your mind god knows all the things that you do but he only intimately knows people who have surrendered to the drawing power of christ and have submitted to the will of god in their life and as they submitted to the will of god in their life they were born again and there was an intimate relationship relationship that occurred in the new birth and they become new creatures in Christ Jesus but he doesn't lose one not one and it's my purpose here to get us to win as much as we can in this life not just in the life to come but I wanted you to see that because the born again experience is so critical and I want to tell you what you need to do to be born again if if you're here tonight and you're not sure being born again is not believing Bible doctrine put that out there it's got nothing to do with it it has to do with the Holy Spirit revealing to you Jesus which is doctrine but it's not just doctrine it is when the Holy Spirit has a personal encounter with you and reveals that Jesus is the Son of God that Jesus is the Christ and that he is your Lord and you need to submit to his Lordship and out of that supernatural response 
or that manifestation, you respond in faith and declare Jesus as Lord in your life, and then you're born again. Not born again because you know doctrine. Not born again because someone told you Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe on him, you'll be saved. You have to have that, that supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit to be born again. No one can come to the Father except by me. No one comes to me unless the Father draws them. So there has to be that, you could say it if you like it, charismatic experience where God's Spirit draws you. Well, listen, I've been in loads of churches that believe in Jesus, but not that many that are born of, born of the Spirit. Because born of the Spirit is different. It's like the Holy Spirit visits you and draws you and reveals that Jesus is the Son of God. And the revelation of it, you have a choice. You can submit to it or resist it. People resist manifestations of the Holy Spirit all the time. But when you're born again, it's that day that you decided I'm not resistant. Ah, Jesus, you're my Lord. That's it. I'm settling it. Then the new birth happens. And then God begins to work out of you his will and his purpose. I've said this for years that it's more important how you start than how you finish because you'll never finish if you didn't start right. That's why when Jesus preached, he always would say things like this. You've got to love me more than anyone else. Now, he used the term hate, but that was a term that was an idiom. It meant to love less. You've got to love other people less than me to, to follow me. And he always put that, that, that out there. Because he knew that once he raised from the dead, that the only way those people would be changed is that they believed with the help of the Spirit and they responded in the way that he said in the Word it wouldn't happen. The parable of the ten virgins, five were ready, five weren't. The ones that weren't ready weren't saved. Period. People, charismatics, try to take that and say, okay, they weren't ready, they weren't filled with the Spirit. They need to be, no, they weren't saved because he said to them, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. Now, he knows them by their name, but he didn't know them personally. Can you say amen, everybody? I know you wanted a little sweet message tonight. This is it. Because there's a hidden treasure inside of your life that needs to be brought out. And this teaching will bring it out in you. I want you to write this down. The Bible tells us, I believe in 1 Corinthians 6, that we are one spirit with the Lord. Say one spirit. What does it mean to be one spirit with the Lord? It's similar to, in the Bible, it says when two become, get married, they become one flesh. What does that mean? That simply means this, that the husband is dependent on the wife and the wife is dependent on the husband. Can't have a baby without each other. In other words, you're both dependent on each other. That's what it means. Uh, Jesus said this. He said that he was the vine and we were the branches. Vines can't produce fruit without branches, and branches can't produce fruit without vines. In other words, whatever you want to do in your life, you're going to need to be connected to Jesus to make it happen. Not going to happen any other way. 
And God, if he wants to fulfill his will, which his will is this, in the resurrection, Peter said, uh, God told Jesus, sit on his right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, it was God's will that his will would reign in this life. And he does that through the church. That's why it says that Jesus is not coming back until the unity of the faith happens and that the body of Christ develops into the fullness of Christ. Why? Because no one's going to be under their feet until that occurs in the church. As long as we keep fighting with each other, it won't work. Amen? So I want you to see this because I think we miss this in our faith. God desires that the treasure that he put in you would come forth. He desires that treasure would supernaturally manifest in your family, with your kids, with your friends, with those on your job. He wants you to become a representative of him. You know, in Acts chapter 1-1, it says that Jesus, it says what Jesus began to teach and do. In other words, after the resurrection, Jesus didn't stop. He's doing it now through the church. I know a lot of the church thinks he stopped, but he didn't stop. That's what that Turk uh, uh, verse interprets. Now, this means something to me. I've used this illustration many times, but I want you to hear it. It's kind of like the farmer that goes out, and he finds this egg, and it's a eaglet egg fell out of an eagle's nest takes it puts it in the chicken coop the chicken sit on, sit on it the egg hatches and all of a sudden this chi- this eaglet is being raised by chickens until one day the e- eaglet's out there in the yard and he sees an eagle and he starts flapping his wings and then he begins to soar and he leaves many of us have been like chickens because we don't know who we are in Christ yet even though the Bible said you're a new creation, you're not aware of that creation. You know, uh, my father told me this years ago because we, he had actually captured a baby coyote in Montana. And he tried to train it. And they said this. They said you can't domesticate a wild animal if you don't get the baby before it opens its eyes. If it opens its eyes in the wild, it'll be wild. You won't be able to domesticate it. So we never, never was able to, to train it. It was wild. It was mean. I'd take it to the zoo. It's almost like that in a positive way about a Christian. It isn't until our eyes are open that we begin to really take on the nature that God has created us to be. And all of a sudden we get this rush. Wow. This is who I am in Christ. I don't got to take this anymore. I don't got to take this chronic sickness anymore. I don't got to take this disease anymore. I don't got to take this pain anymore. I don't got to take this anymore. In the name of Jesus, I got authority over it and something starts changing because you know who you are in Christ. It's not the old man. It's the new man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Kainos, kainos, kainos. It's never used for rebuilding something that's old. It's something brand new. When I got saved, I got a new man inside. I got the old Jack Earth suit, and I got some old Jack memory. But the new man is one 
with Christ. Whew. That's why when you pray, it isn't you praying, it's no longer I that liveth. It's past tense. But Christ lives in me. I can't pray without Christ praying through me. I can't do anything spiritually without Christ moving through me. And I'm one with him. Now, don't shout me down and think I'm in trouble now. I want you to see this because I want you to have some confidence when you pray for the needs in your life that you're struggling with right now. We all got needs. Amen? So, when I looked at that, I got excited because I realized that it's easy to forget your identity. It's easy to forget what is necessary for your breakthrough. I'll share something right now, and I'll show you why Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's possible." Please, God, you must believe that He is God, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Say, diligently seek Him. It isn't a one-time experience; it's all through a life. I heard a preacher say this, and I'm sure he said it out of ignorance, but he said this. He said that when you get saved, it comes fully loaded. That's not true. It doesn't come fully loaded. It's a pursuit of God's purposes in your life. It doesn't come with everything it does spiritually in heaven, but as far as manifestations in your life, it does not come fully loaded. Let me prove it to you. You remember in Acts chapter 20, after the resurrection, this is before Jesus' inauguration day, uh, and he was appearing to the disciples. He walked into them and he says, listen, you're gonna, whoever sends you forgive or forgiven, whoever sends you retain or are not retained, And then he said this, he breathed in and breathed out and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when the 11 were born again. He had already been raised from the dead. He breathed on, gave them the power to tell people they're forgiven, who accept Christ, they're born again. But you don't see them endowed with power until 10 days. It's probably longer. I'm not sure what week Jesus appeared to them. But it wasn't until Pentecost, and and Jesus told him, you wait until you're endowed with power. Well, if they got it back at Acts 20, or, or excuse me, John 20, he wouldn't have said that. They still needed some more. There's still more they needed. And so at Pentecost, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit came on them, and they all spoke in tongues. So they got endured with power, and they got the new birth order. He said, well, pastor, that was before Jesus' inauguration, before he ascended up on high and sat down in heaven. All right, let's, let's go with that theory. If that's true, then what happened with Acts 8 with Philip? This is after Jesus seated in heavenly places, and, and Philip is out there preaching, people getting saved, people delivered from disease. And they get saved because it says that they were all water baptized. You're not water baptized to get saved. You get water baptized after you've given Christ your life. It's not before, it's after. But what does it say? It said that none of them had received the Holy Spirit of yet. So they sent for Peter and John, which would take about a week to get back there before they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Well, Pastor, I don't know. Let me give you one more. The Apostle Paul, or Paul before he was saved, on the road to Damascus, had paperwork. He was going to put Christians in jail, and a light appears to him. It's God, and the light is so bright it blinds him, and he submits to the Lordship of Christ right then. That's when he got saved. Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go into the city over there and wait until one of my disciples shows up and prays for you. That was Cornelius, who was probably reluctant to do it because Paul's reputation of putting Christians in jail. But he came, he did what God said, he laid his hands on Paul, and God healed his eyes, and he received the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many days or whatever it was in between that, that point, but obviously it wasn't a one-time experience. There was a progression to it. Christians, I tell you right now, people are missing it when they say, hey, it's fully loaded. As soon as you get saved, you've got everything you need. No, there's a pursuit of God. And I'm not even talking about anointings that are given to people after they've proven faithful. I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about Elisha, who was a successful farmer that was probably wealthy, who, who was just a Christian or a believer at that time, and Elijah comes by, throws his mantle on him. Now there's a divine call, but he doesn't walk in the office, office of the prophet until Elijah is taken away. So he got anointed and called for the prophetic ministry, and then he had to serve for so many years, and then the double anointing came on him then. I know personally pastors that couldn't teach their way out of a sack. Now, one day the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they are great teachers now. I know people that have one gift here, all of a sudden, uh, God puts an anointing on them to do altar calls, and they get great success. You know, spiritually, everything's there, but the manifestation and the anointing is something that is pursued by faith. And if you're faithful a little, God will give you much. Amen? Don't get too excited tonight. I'm telling you, this is true. And, and so you got this treasure inside of your heart that you got to pursue God with all your heart. And it's not just when you got saved. you got to work this stuff out. Say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want to receive everything you got for me. That's what you got to do. And God periodically will up the stakes, put another anointing on you, bless you. And if he doesn't, he'll bring great fruit from the one you have. But it's not, doesn't mean necessarily that you got everything you ever needed the day you got saved or even the day that you spoke in tongues. There can be more. Amen. Paul said, I'm going to go on from vision to vision, dreams and dreams. So I don't know. All I know is the more you pursue God, the more God uses you. And that's what we all want. Amen. Now, let me describe this to you from this tenet of faith. You'll find in the four Gospels or the three Gospels, Synoptic Gospels, you'll find Jesus teaching about the parable of the sower, the sower, the word. And he says that in parable is more important than all the other parables, this revelation. And what's good about it is he shows you how to respond to the word in your life to get results. 
How do you respond? And he gives four different types of, of the human heart. First one, he says, the word is sown on stony ground. Stony, stay stony. Now this is, I used to think it was just a path that you walked on, but it's really not. The stony ground is actually referring to the fences that are put around the agricultural fields they have in Jerusalem. And in fact, today they're still like that, where a farmer doesn't put up a wood fence, he puts up a rock fence. So he's saying that the farmer goes down, he's throwing the seed out, some of the seed lands on top of the rock fence. And the bird comes immediately and eats it. And there's no fruit. And then it explains what it is. It's the guy that comes to church, maybe even tonight. You're not paying attention to what I'm saying. I preach the word and you just, you're looking at so-and-so, looking, you know, Sunday morning in particular, looking at babies, all that kind of stuff. And so, as soon as you get out of that door, the devil takes that seed away from you. Because you weren't, you weren't desperate so you weren't listening real carefully. So he said that's one of the reasons why the word doesn't work. And then the second heart that he says is the one that's landed on soil that is rocky underneath, which is probably next to the fence, the rock fence. It's never been cultivated. And the seed lands there. It sprouts up. And now watch this. And it withers because of the, of the sun because it has no root in itself. And it says, this is the believer that comes, hears the word, rejoices, but doesn't endure, becomes offended. Why does he get offended? Because he doesn't have any depth. He's not taking seriously the word or he'd be more careful about what he says. All of these things have to do with what you say. And he doesn't take it serious enough, so he doesn't get depth. And then he gets offended and falls away. Third one, it's sowed in good seed, but there's weeds in there. It said the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Let me ask you about the cares of this world. How does it manifest? Worry. How does worry manifest? By what you say. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even have enough money to pay my mortgage this month. How am I going to get enough money to put clothes on my kids this year? And you begin to verbalize your words. Jesus said, take no thought saying. Talking about worry. Don't say what shall we eat, what shall we wear, what shall we drink. You know, because if you do, it chokes the word. That's that type of human heart. And then, the, and then there's the good soil, which doesn't have the weeds. And watch this. They produce 30 60 and 100 fold. Now, if you're not a farmer, you don't appreciate that. The average farmer back then would only produce 12 fold of the harvest. 30 is supernatural, 60 is mind boggling, 100 fold is a miracle. It's a stinking miracle. People look at you and go, I can't believe it. Whoa, you did what this year? Uh, that, that, see, let me give you an example. When I had my voice issues, in that year, you know, the, the church pays me whatever, but they don't pay my medical bills. And because I was going to all these doctors, I knocked up a bill to fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, something like that. And all the money came in outside of a salary. And I didn't tell anybody to give me any money. It all came in. Amen. Amen. I'm not, I don't owe no money. Come on, I don't owe it. 
That's what I'm talking about. Supernatural increase comes. But if you were to take all those four soils, the number one reason why people do not see results is they will not take seriously what they say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Bible says that from the fruit of our lips, we shall be satisfied with the produce. Produce is what a farmer produces. It's not wild stuff. It's produce. He says it's produced from your lips. Every person that is offended can't keep his mouth shut. Every person that doesn't pay attention to the word are talking about everything but the word. Come on now, don't chow me down because I'm really excited here right now. This is powerful, this is powerful. Now I'm going to show you a verse and, and I'm going to skip over one, but give, give me Isaiah, the last verse, please. No, the next one. There we go. Now this is really a supernatural verse. I hope you got ears to hear it. Listen to what it says. I will give you the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of the secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord who calls you by your name, and the God of Israel. You know what he's saying? I'm going to give to you the riches that the heathens have. The, the special things. In fact, I was looking at this. It goes with my illustration, but it was a, it's called a, a blue diamond. It went for $71 million. It's about that big. Unbelievable. That verse is talking about God blessing Christians at a level that the world is going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Levels of riches. Now, this isn't about materialism at all t tonight. This is about the riches we have in Christ that need to be discovered. I'm going to close with this story. Is actually a true story and this was a farmer in Africa and he had a very nice farm it was he he received a fine inheritance his fathers and fathers passed down he was very wealthy there was a garden inside of this farm and there was grazing land it was just a beautiful farm one day this Hindu priest came by and started to share with him about some stuff and he started out with this. He said, you know, when God created the earth and so forth, he took his finger and, and did this, and, and, and that created diamonds, which diamonds, by the way, are created by fire. And he started talking about it. He said, you know, if I had a diamond the size of my thumb, I could buy a county. If I had more diamonds, I could put my children in thrones. And, they could, and he, so he started talking about how he could help the world and all this stuff. And then this into a priest he left but that night the farmer he couldn't sleep and here's a guy that's got everything that he could think of he couldn't think couldn't sleep so he woke up the next morning he says you know i i gotta i gotta go after this think what i could do for my kids and so he decides to sell his farm sells it and he goes out and for years is searching for these diamonds of what he can do with it. And eventually he spent all the money that he gained from his 
farm, and it was broke and ended up committing suicide. Now, what's crazy about the story is the guy that bought his farm, this is a true story, the guy that bought his farm was out one day watering a, a camel, and they, and they was in the garden area that they had with his stream that was inside of there, and he, was, and he noticed this black stone in the stream, and he went down, took it, and said, but this is, this is really beautiful. He cleaned it up, and he, and he took it, and he put it up on his mantle. Well, that Hindu priest came back, and he saw that. He said, do you know what that is? And he says, it's just a beautiful stone. He said, no, it is a diamond. He said, ah, it's not a diamond. He said, no, it's a diamond. Anyway, they take it to town, and sure enough, it's a diamond. It's one of the biggest diamonds they've ever found, monster diamond. But it gets even better. They go back to the stream, and they notice there's these black stones all through the stream, and he discovers that he's got acres and acres of diamonds on his farm, and he didn't even know it. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. They think they get saved. They go, well, I got an inheritance. Great. But you, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. There's great stuff inside of it. There are acres and acres of diamonds that haven't even been discovered in your faith. It, come on, in that inheritance that God gave you. Whoo, man, when I think about that, I don't want to get to heaven. I go, oh, Lord, I didn't know I could have done that. Lord, I didn't know that was part of it. I didn't know that. It's like, it's, it's like there's things that we just don't see yet that we have a potential to that we just scratch the surface of. Hallelujah. When you get saved, all your sins are forgiven. You're rich. But there's so much more than what God gave us. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. And, and Lord, I thank you for helping us with this. Because I know tonight, Lord, there's many people that have these gifts, these callings, things that they're pursuing, Lord. And they just need to be more equipped. They need to be more lifted up. They need to be more blessed. They need to be more touched. But you know, when I didn't know Jesus, I wasn't anything yet. I was someone that God loved, but he had made me into a new creation. And I want to ask you tonight, if you're not 100% convinced that you're born again, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you and you You say, I I need to totally submit to him tonight. I want to really make him Lord in my life tonight. The Holy Spirit will cause you to be born again. The old way you were will become extinct. And the new man will be born inside of you. A new man that is one with Christ. The Son of God who came and died for us 2,000 years ago. That hung on that cross for yours and my sins. Who knows where this is going to lead? If you need to make that decision, please put your hand up to heaven right now. Let me pray for you. 
don't hesitate. Don't, don't worry about people by you. See your hand right there. See your hand over here. I want everybody to stand up right now. And, and those who raise your hand, come on down here front and let me pray for you. Just come on down front here. See the hand over there. Come on down here. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Holy Spirit is, does things in people so powerfully. And we're just going to pray and we're going to believe this. Say this with me, Jesus. Thank you for drawing me by your spirit. Thank you for touching me supernaturally and revealing to me what you did for me. And Lord, tonight I confess you as Lord. Tonight I'm making the decision, no more me, now it's you. I'm giving my life to you, Father. And Holy Spirit, equip me and, and feed me and fill me with your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to go with Eric over there. They want to give you some stuff before you guys go. And don't, don't go yet. I want everyone to close your eyes. If you've never spoken in tongues or you feel like there's an anointing that you're missing, I want you just to shut your eyes right now and lift your hands up to heaven. And I'm going to pray and release the Holy Spirit right now. Just release the Holy Spirit right now. Now, when the Holy Spirit falls, I just want you to yield to him. Begin to pray your prayer language. Oh, I got somebody that they're, they're concerned about their behavior. Don't be concerned about your behavior. Jesus covers with his blood. We go boldly to the throne of grace. When we're obedient, we go boldly before the throne of grace when we're disobedient. Because we're not standing there because of anything we've done. We're standing there because of Jesus. I feel the Holy Spirit falling count of three, three, let's just begin to pray. One, two, three. Just release it. Just release it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. I, this is the greatest lie that Satan has told the church and the world, and that is this. Well, Pastor, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. No one goes to heaven because they're a good person. No one can be good enough. No one goes to heaven because they're a good person. They go to heaven because they believe completely in what Jesus did for them on the cross. I believe without you, Jesus, I couldn't be saved. Without you, Jesus, I could not have be cleansed of my sins. It was all you and none of me. But there's so many people that think, oh, I'm a good person. I'll be okay. It's not about that, even though we do do good things. It's only because of Jesus. Amen. And I want all of you to, to seek God. We've got prophets. We've got evangelists. We have apostles. 
we have teachers, we have people in the body here that your ultimate call in your life is far better than what it is right now. And I know I need to be an intercessor. There's just special gifts that God gives people. And you have to seek them before you find them. Anyway, I got to stop. I love you. Praise God. Don't get excited about Sunday. We're going to have a real breakthrough. Amen.